I'm letting go of the things that don't serve me no more Cause I am holy and sacred and righteous and true And I deserve to be here and so do you Said I deserve to be here Hi and welcome, you're listening to The Rip Report my name is Rip, and this episode is titled "The Written Why the Rittenhouse Case Was So Important, The People Want Their Freedom Back. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, depending on what platform you're listening to this podcast on. Uh, you can also follow me on Telegram at The Rip Report. And if you want to send me an email, please do that at theripcast at protonmail.com. I'll leave the links in the description. And now on to the show. Alright, alright, alright. I've been asked the question a few times why the Rittenhouse case is so important. And well, the real reason why the Rittenhouse case is so important is because there's a great big assault right now on defending yourself, defending your freedoms. So this is exactly why the liberals left want to destroy that. They want to make sure that you don't protect yourself. This is why this case is so important, is they can get rid of the fact you can defend yourself, they can move on to the next phase of their plan. Um, you're going to play a few clips here of exactly what had happened during the trial. Uh, you're also going to get a couple of the judge and what the judge says about the media. And I've got a list in the middle of this that's basically going to ask or say a bunch of things that I didn't know about the trial until I started asking started looking into it so it's quite interesting there's a lot of stuff and information to take out of it a lot of things that a lot of people I don't think really knew about uh, and this will help you get that information but why did officials let it get to that point because my understanding these shootings happened on the third night why did it get to that point why didn't they stop it before you know, that's a question that we are all asking here. You know, the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting happened on the third night, so, you know, law enforcement could have moved in on the very first night, which, you know, the first night uh, should have been the night that they moved in. They had this, the second chance on the second night, and it took them all the way to the third night to come in. Um, that's the question we're all, we're all asking. According uh, to law enforcement, they had 500 National Guard uh, on standby after the verdict uh, was announced, but one thing that we're, we continue to, to ask is, where were those 500 National Guard last year to step in and protect the property owners that, that lost everything um, and all the American citizens that really got affected uh, living in Kenosha during those riots. Well, and we know that these riots happened because the media lied, the left lied about what happened to Jacob Blake. We have a guy who had a warrant out for, you know, sexual assault, who was at a house that he wasn't supposed to be at, pulled a knife on police officers. Yet we had Kamala Harris say that she was proud of Jacob Blake. Even a year later, we had the Democratic governor of Wisconsin put out a statement still blaming racism. So why are they so committed to this lie? It's a narrative that they, they want to control, you know, for them, uh, you know, for that mainstream left-wing press, for them, they try to divide our, our country. For them, this is ratings because it's a, it's a, it's a storyline that they always want to make it about race when the details are more complex than that. And let's not forget that Jacob Blake, like you said, he had a felony a sexual assault open warrant and he was violating uh, a, a, a search warrant. So this is not a, a hero, you know, the... You know, John, I think a lot of people who are watching this just ask themselves, why did this ever go to trial to begin with? 
Yeah, great question. And not only did it go to trial, but it was indicted in record time. And I think that's another result of the prosecution in this case really kowtowing to the court of public opinion. And as you know, the court of public opinion has no place in a court of law. We all know if you paid attention to the trial, you know that the facts are weak. You know that the prosecution was a piece of work. But uh, Lisa, I think there's something bigger going on here. I think if you listen to the maniacs on social media and in the media, there's a fundamental misunderstanding of when a person has a legal right to save their life. And I don't know if the people who are against Kyle Rittenhouse are either uneducated or intentionally stupid, but they're saying really stupid things like Kyle Rittenhouse brought a gun to a skateboard fight. No, he didn't. Kyle Rittenhouse brought a gun to a war zone, as one of your previous guests described it. He brought a gun to a city that was on fire and full of criminals because those criminals were setting it on fire. It wasn't a skateboard fight. But by the way, a skateboard can be a deadly weapon when it's aimed at your head. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they just wanted him to allow himself to get his face bashed in with a skateboard and right. potentially killed as a result. So there's, well, Francie, you know, listening to that, do you think these prosecutors had a personal bias against Kyle Rittenhouse? You know, I don't know, Lisa. That's a great question. I hope not as a former state and federal prosecutor. I certainly don't like to think that. But it's hard for me to understand why they continued with this case, except for political pressure, when they got that footage in, when they had all the video footage, when they had all the drone footage, it was very clear that Kyle Rittenhouse was responding to being attacked. It was a clear case of self-defense. They should have dismissed those charges before it ever went to trial because they had all the information themselves, even though they didn't turn it over to the defense. They should have dismissed this case. And I can only think that the reason they didn't was just because they were also bowing to the howling mob. And that is not what prosecutors are supposed to do. The Supreme Court found once that prosecutors are supposed to strike hard blows, but not foul ones. And I have to say, this case was nothing but foul from the start. I mean, it's certainly... Johnny, you talked a little bit about this earlier, but it wasn't just Kyle Rittenhouse who was on trial. It was self-defense as well. Get into that a little bit more. I'd like to hear from you on that. Yeah, you know, I was actually personally offended by this prosecutor when, uh, I think it was jury instructions, he, he actually misstated the law on self-defense. And one of the big things that really rubbed me the wrong way is he basically said, you lose your right to self-defense if you arm yourself. And as a woman who is intimately familiar with having a gun both in my purse and in my face, I promise you that I do not lose my right to self-defense if I am armed. Thank the Lord. So that was really misleading. The jury didn't buy it, obviously. They put themselves, I suppose, in the shoes of Kyle Rittenhouse and said, hey, someday I may have to defend myself. I'm going to get this right. So, you know, again, this was the prosecution's way of just being on a quest to convict. That's not his job. He did it anyway. You know, Francie, how did the state's own witnesses end up hurting their case? You know, that is a huge mystery to me because I can promise you I always knew what, way, what my witnesses were going to say. Occasionally, a witness will surprise you on the witness stand, but usually it's they'll tell you something that you've never heard before. They don't generally contradict the story they told you pre-trial. So when Gabe Groschwitz testified that he raised his gun at Rittenhouse and that disputed the testimony that he had given to the police when he said he didn't have his gun, 
Why did the prosecutors put him on the witness stand? One of those stories was a lie. Either he lost the gun before the encounter, of course, as we know, as the video shows, he had the gun in his hand and was pointing it at Rittenhouse. How did the prosecutors not know that in advance? And they should have never put him on the witness stand because he looked like someone the jury couldn't trust. And I think, to John's point, this was a really great example of the jury kind of ignoring what the prosecution was saying. And actually listening to the judge's charge and the instructions, and that was a really important distinction. I didn't know that Kyle put out a dumpster fire that was burning, rolling down to a gas station to blow up with people all around. I didn't know that the police were told to stand down as businesses were destroyed. I didn't know that Kyle's dad, grandpa, and friends all lived in Kenosha 20 minutes from where he resides with his mom part-time in Illinois. I didn't know that Joseph Rosenbaum knocked him down twice and then attempted to kick him with lethal force to the head. I didn't know that Huber had hit him in the head two times with a skateboard. I didn't know that Cage Grossick, a felon in possession of a firearm, aimed his gun at Kyle first, as he admitted on the stand. I also didn't know that in the state of Wisconsin, it is legal for Kyle to have a gun, even at 17, which is why the gun charge was dismissed. I didn't know that Kyle did not cross state lines with a gun he wasn't supposed to have. The rightful gun owner did, and he was legally permitted to do. I didn't realize that Rosenbaum was a five-time convicted child rapist, that Huber, a two-time convicted woman beater, and didn't know that Grossex was a convicted burglar with an assault on his record also. If the media did their job, we would have all had known this. Stop believing what media tells you. They're full of crap. Not from day one of the event in August 2020, at the very least from day one of the trial, there is a certain amount of red pilling that is going on with a massive amount of the population because anybody who watched that trial now thoroughly understands and genuinely appreciates that the media lies on a daily basis. There were so many lies in the context of this incident from day one to the last day of trial. I don't know where to start except to start with the idea that this was a white supremacist active shooter who had shot black men at a BLM protest. In fact, Kyle Rittenhouse himself seems to be mixed race of Latino descent, and the three individuals he shot that night were all white and all had lengthy criminal histories. We're going to get to that by the end of this vlog, but that was lie one that the general population was told as it relates to the events of that night. Another one of the epic lies that was told in the context of this incident is that it was illegal for Kyle Rittenhouse to possess the firearm in question. That turned out to be so false that the judge dismissed that charge at the end of the trial, and the third lie heard around the world day in and day out in incessantly for months is that Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines to go and use his firearm at this protest. You know, you've got it, this young white kid. When he drove across. These are f- f- five very reputable, competent attorneys that I've practiced with for years. And I think it's shameful, some of the things that are being done to these people. And uh, I, 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 when I talked about... Um, problems with the media when this trial started, That's, we're there in part, not, not fully, but in part because of grossly irresponsible handling of what comes out of this trial. I will tell you this, 
uh, I'm going to think long and hard about uh, live television, the trial, again, next time. I don't know. I, I, I've always been a firm believer in it because I think the people should be able to see what's going on. But when I see what's being done, it's really quite frightening. Frightening, that's the right word for it. I've got another couple clips here of uh, a couple of nurses, uh, one nurse in particular talking about how the hospitals again are filling up with vaccinated people and I also got one with a microbiologist by the name of Gina Gad. She's based in Dawson Creek, Canada. Uh, she's discussing the Nuremberg Code, uh, quite interesting. I know a lot of people, you mentioned Nuremberg Code, they're like, hmm, whatever. Uh, well, no, there's a reason the Nuremberg Code's in effect. It is old, yes, but it's still relevant because this is exactly what's happening to us right now. So please do listen to these clips. group here, so, and, and hopefully we can just be respectful and hear from as many people as, as we can uh, just by raising hands. Uh, if you just have a statement, we're, we're happy to hear uh, your, your statement. If you have a question, we'll, we'll be happy to try to answer questions, too. So. So I'm going to try to keep this short, but I'm going to put this from the Can perspective. Can you speak loudly, too? And I'll try to I'm trying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to try to keep this short, and I'm going to put this from the perspective of a nurse who's been working in a hospital here locally. Um, last year, prior to the vaccines, about one in five patients came in with COVID. This year, in the hospital I've been working in, Every single patient has COVID. <laughs> Want to know what changed? The vaccine. Yes, that's right. How many of the patients came in with COVID or with uh, fully vaccinated and vaccinated at all? Pretty much majority. There were some unvaccinated, but very few. What we are also seeing are they're coming in with necrotic fingers and toes from from uh, the microclotting, necrotic intestines from microclotting, heart attacks, stroke. Uh, uh, myocarditis, all of these heart and health issues, blood issues, all these issues, which we're then ask, being asked to take upon ourselves by being mandated to get these vaccines, no first way. of all. Secondly, the other thing that I'm seeing and that, that we're seeing is watching these, the treatments for this COVID does nothing in the hospital. It does nothing for the COVID. Remdesivir does nothing, but it's not, and the studies prove it. If it isn't given within the first three days, it does nothing for COVID. But yet they give course after course after course of the remdesivir, and the patients end up kidney with failure. all kinds of organ failure, kidney failure, <laughs> liver failure. They're ending up with uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome. They're ending up with uh, <coughs> um, pneumothorax. They're ending up with all of these issues caused by the treatment, not by COVID. They're not dying from COVID. They're Ooh, dying from <laughs>
um, it concerns me greatly that one of the one of the precepts, not only in the Nuremberg Code, which stated very clearly, we're not going to be an experiment ever again, signed off for. It also gave the people power to hunt down the Nazi war criminals, and that has also been used in other instances to go after people creating genocide in their own countries, etc., etc. So the Nuremberg Code protects us, and it seems that that's been conveniently forgotten in the process of all this, what's going on. The misinformation, um, when constitutional lawyers for the government advise the government officials that they're not violating people's rights under the Charter's rights in our Constitution, but rather just pushing the boundaries, and that gives me great cause for concern. The, the Constitution, the Nuremberg, were all written to protect the people from the atrocities inflicted upon whether it was a government um, or other people that had the authority to do so, or in their own minds thought they had the authority to do so. As you can see, folks, from listening to the Nuremberg Code, it actually is a law. Uh, I really hope we don't need to go down these, the road of this, but it looks like the government's leaving us no choice at this point. However, as you'll see in the next, ones, next clips coming up, there is uh, freedom rallies taking place all over the world. Uh, there's a, one in particular was really large in Melbourne, Australia. 500,000 people turned out to protest there. Uh, I know a few people who still are surprised to hear that Melbourne is even under a lockdown as they are, which goes to show exactly how well the media is doing their job on all counts. So again, folks, very important. Remember, you got to remember what you're looking at. Uh, again, I, pro I ask everyone to research everything. Even what I say on this podcast, research it. All my notes are in the RIP report on Telegram. Please do follow it, check the notes, go from there, do your own research, and you'll understand exactly where everything is headed in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people that have gathered all in unity to fight this bill and to stand for freedom. We've come here today to protest against the pandemic legislation. And the reason is that sort of power should not be in the hands of one person. They're under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure um, because they don't want to be forced or coerced into an injection they don't want. Uh, I just want freedom for all of Australia, pretty much. I'm here uh, to protect our freedom to make medical choices, to be fully participate in life, and I am here standing in line to protect the children that they're coming after next. Putting the powers into one person is exactly what Hitler did, Mussolini did, what happened with the Turks of Armenia. It is genocide, it is medical apartheid. It is so wrong on all levels. But you know what it is, you know it's corrupt. You know that things need to change. Oh, totally against mandates. There's no place for mandates in this country. Mandating vaccines is evil. There should be uh, absolutely no way that you force a person to take a medical procedure against their will. The anxiety that I feel inside my body every day growing with you can't go here, you can't go there. Try to step on human spirit when you try and get in the way of people's God-given rights. Understand that when the people line up in the millions, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that will stop them. Don't give up your liberty. Just don't. Care for each other, look after each other, respect each other. At the end of this, 
we're going to have to have a lot of forgiveness for each other. So one person makes a huge difference. Look at these one people who are coming together. I want to be able to look my children looking me in the eye and go, hey, when this happened, what did you know about it? And what did you do? When you arrive here, there's this sea of people and they're all one big family and everybody's absolutely supportive and you know you're not alone and that the groups are much, much bigger than they try to make out. We all should rise up. If we don't believe in something and we don't believe in it with our heart, we should all rise up with one voice and let the governments know. Thanks again for listening to this episode tonight, folks. Sorry, it's a short one. I just wanted to get everything caught back up the best I can. Uh, I had a couple people ask me about the written house and my thoughts on it, so I wanted to kind of put a little bit of a show together for that, for those people. Uh, I'm going to try and get out one to two shows a week, uh, time permitting, obviously, with my schedule. Um, thank you for subscribing, following. I do appreciate your support. Those that have sent uh, messages, I do appreciate your kind words. Thank you very much. Uh, the show is only going to get better, the quality is only getting it better, and uh, the ideas and the, everything else will, will follow as we go. Uh, thanks again for your support. Have a great evening.